You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of ADD Space. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman. And that's it. The actual host. I'm entirely the host. I am the singular host of the program. And um, no one else is on the show but me. And um, uh, welcome to the program, where I will talk about a variety of um, toxic issues. Like, um, there should be more skin-tight outfits in video games across the board. Everyone should be, should be naked and things like that. And, 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 there's, and there's too much diversity. It's too much, too much diversity in, in games. I just launched myself out of the nomad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Here's Elise Bacon. Bacon, how are you? I'm like desperately, desperately trying to beat this goddamn game um, and a mess of Andromeda, and I'm doing some busy work. And I hit, I definitely hit a giant rock, and then proceeded to launch myself out of the nomad as soon as Aaron was just like, "We just need more skin tight clothes and no diversity." Completely, like I didn't even know you could launch yourself out of the nomad. I didn't know you could do that either. You should have. Rec- I hope you were recording it or something. I don't know if there's a way to capture it, but I feel bad that I, I didn't know you could do that. I thought the nomad was pretty much a secure shell of um of automotive delight. I didn't know you could throw yourself out of it like Grand Theft Auto. That's actually pretty wild. Did not know. I hit like the ejection, I... like at just the right time. Because, like, you have to be grounded, essentially, but you can leave the car while it's still moving. So, like, that must have happened, but, like, I th- I was in the air. I was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> Whenever I try to troll, I'm always taken aback by the fact that, like, the thing I'm saying has people who legitimately believe that. I know, it makes trolling really hard. Right, and I'm not, I do it every so often. Like, I don't troll because there are people who just, like, have this opinion just ready to go, like, at any point in time. So you can't be trolling if you're actually... You need to take a uniquely um, absurd opinion. But apparently that opinion is still not absurd yet. So it's just... I try to troll, and I catch my... I'm just, like, always shocked by the fact that there are people who actually think that type of stuff. But before we get further into that type of stuff, we also have... Former NBA All-Star, Justin Jones. Justin, how are you? I mean, like, NBA Live All-Star, perhaps. We, we, we were not we we're not specific here. We only support success here in ads. But... You know what? I'll take it. Right. I will take it. And I am super disappointed that EA discontinued NBA Live. Like, they had a solid product. They were moving the right direction with their support of the WNBA. And then they just said, not doing it anymore. And 2K, 2K gets to say, we have the WNBA included. And their WNBA modes are literally just the 2K13 NBA modes. Like, they they don't even use the existing code. Like, it's intentional. They are not using the existing code for the base models for the franchise mode 
for the WNBA. They went back to an older code base. Like that is an intentional design choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird considering that they've been really pushing forward with frostbite. Right. Yeah. So that Not- something weird is going on. I mean I mean they they said they were yeah, he said they were working on next generation basketball. There's just no basketball this year. So they're they live will return as a next generation specific basketball. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they've been saying live will return for the last three years so i'll believe it when i see it i mean it is detox status it's always strange that there's one basketball series that will come out despite the cottage industry of people who hate it on the internet and then there's the other basketball game that if they don't meet their proper benchmarks will not come out with another game for three years and the dynamic is so like 2k will always come out and they make they make millions whether people they make just as much money from people who don't like the game from people who do like the game and so they just bring it out and nba live is just like nah this one didn't do great so we're gonna go back to the drawing board every three years maybe 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 it could happen maybe they're gonna try and combine them uh you, you mean 2k and nba live Mm-hmm. I feel like that would cost more resources than uh, than 2K is uh, when Take Two is willing to. In in get in, they don't they they like to get maximum return on their investments. True. So they don't they don't um, 2K and the WWE are free money for them. So. I mean, they kind of they kind of overdid it with that two. I think it was the the was it the last WWE game that came out that the uh, original team from Japan pulled out because they were tired of making the same game every year. So then they had some of the guys from NBA 2K um, pitch in and help with uh, WWE 2K, and it was the glitchiest game. It took about a year and some change to get right, and they had to tap out one year. But yeah, they like to get the maximum return on their investment. So I can't imagine them trying to do any crossover event to enrich their product because they don't need to enrich their product. Yeah, no, I was just wondering because like I said, they're putting EA's putting literally everybody on Frostbite. Like right. literally everybody. Yeah, that everybody would, yeah. Has, has to do that. So I was about to say, if they have to make a new game from scratch anyway yeah they're just gonna they're just gonna grind it out and bring out a game that everyone dislikes more than 2k and then they're gonna um you know hold it up for another three years but um we I do mean, have, oh, go on. Oh, i mean they're probably gonna do that but i'm just trying to be hopeful trying to have the hope listen i appreciate your positive vibes i'm just very familiar with nba 2k as a franchise and um uh that's unlikely that's kind of a groundbreaking move to enrich everything and build community and that's not their thing but we do have a program so we're gonna have to i guess we're gonna start off with the elephant in the room um we uh what is that elephants yes um 
before we get into anything anything else, we do have to talk about um uh is it Activision Blizzard or Blizzard Activision? It's Activision Blizzard. Okay. Well, um they've been uh sued by the state of California for what is the official what is the official lawsuit? Oh god. Let me go pull up the Bloomberg article because that one's the good one. Um I mean, while Bacon finds it. Um my favorite thing is um looking at people kind of really kind of soak in the statement that the state of California has sued the company. Because when it first happened, there were some people who were shocked, but there were, you know, there were the the trolls and the naysayers. It's like, oh, it's an it's a it's a nothing burger. That's the word they I, I they like that word. That's like I don't know if you understand the enormity of the state of California finding the need to launch a lawsuit. Okay, so it's a two-year investigation by the state agency. By the way, that's basically state labor and industries. Right. I, like, so when they say they're being sued by the state, like, so, like, if you report, like, workplace harassment, et cetera, like, if you, like, it goes to, like, a workers' rights agency within the state, and then this, if there's, like, enough issues, the state will do a formal investigation, and if they find, like, enough issues, they'll investigate further. And then it will go into a lawsuit. Uh, so this was after a two-year investigation by a state agency. They found that the company discriminated against female employees in terms and conditions of employment, including compensation, assignment, promotion, and termination. And that company leadership consistently failed to take steps in preventing discrimination, harassment, and retaliation. All right. That's quoting directly from a Bloomberg article on it. All right. Um, this has been. I don't. I don't actually want to. I don't actually want to uh, use a metaphor. It's just the thing you've been saying on the podcast since we've been doing the podcast. You've been talking about how um, Blizzard and Activision are terrible. Blizzard and. Um, it's important that we um, don't forget this, even while we were all enjoying Overwatch and um, Diablo, you were kind of letting everybody know that this isn't it. And um, yeah, um, you are overwhelmingly correct. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's not good. Like it's. It's being essentially likened to a frat boy culture. Um, there's just ungodly amounts of harassment. One employee basically killed herself after uh, uh, her nudes were leaked. Mm-hmm. Um, was already receiving harassment, and then they, you know, decided to leak nudes and. Uh, the resulting harass she killed herself and the resulting harassment from that. Hmm. Um, th- there's just like tons. There's just like stories after story after story as you know the loss. You know the lawsuits, um, 
releasing more information. There's there's literally it's not even just that there's one or two things every day. There's like multiple horrific new discoveries from this two year invest that was found throughout this two in two year investigation like per day. Um and it's really disgusting. Like there's there's no recovery from it. T Mobile just pulled the T Mobile just pulled their sponsorship of the league, which is not surprising at all because T Mobile does not fuck with that shit, to be honest. Right. Yeah, they uh they pulled their their they 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 were um a key sponsor of the Overwatch and Call of Duty League. And uh yeah. That's um that's a lot of that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money leaving those two organizations. T-Mobile's a hot no on that. Justin, did you have anything to comment? Any shit? I mean, what's to what's to say? The shit is horrific. I, I there is nothing I can add to the hashtag discourse other than yo, this shit is horrific. You really uh, wizard your money. I think the that... one thing, oh. the 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 one thing I will say though. The trend, not the trend, the the trending of the redemption arc for these dudes that perpetrated a lot. Well, I shouldn't say perpetrated. They, they, the dudes that were in charge when a lot of this was happening, and the dudes that were doing a lot of this, their redemption arc has already started. And we don't have to redeem these people. They were there, right? like, part of it. They were, if they were not a part of it, they were active participants of it. We don't need to redeem them. Yeah. There, there doesn't need to be a redemption arc for these dudes. They're all garbage. Like one of the new heads of CEO literally said, is literally responsible for like the quote where they're like, we're not going to like any, like diversity is going to fuck up our hiring. They they made a statement today that oh we're committed to diversity and inclusion. It's like, but you you literally went to the courts to argue against a quote Rudy rule for your industry. You literally, and it was I uh, a court. It was like a it was just the suggestion. It was a it was like a, a you know all of them got gathered up together and they're like hey why don't y'all do this and they went ah uh, no thanks. It'll mess up our hiring process. And the other thing I want to bring up, because Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, was caught being cartoonishly evil, it is now going to be the thing to dogpile on them to show that you do care about these things that not you, the audience, but the general people out there. It's similar to when, um, the baby gets caught for being homophobic. People dogpile on him to prove that they are also themselves, not homophobic while trafficking in homophobia, queerphobia, and allying themselves with queerphobic people. That's the other thing that's about to happen. Blizzard is about to become, the the martyr for causes so that they can say oh no i'm not this i talk bad about blizzard it's like okay that's nice i guess uh, blizzard is a symptom not the disease 
Now I was, I was talking with one of my homies about this and they're like, yo, I understand that what's happening with Blizzard is horrific, but this can't be unique to the games industry. And I'm like, it's not. It is I can, not unique at all. I was like, you can name an, name an industry and I will tell you where this is a problem. And f- so, all right, we got Activision Blizzard. We have the Washington football team. The Washington football team, since 2012, the Washington Post has been reporting that Dan Snyder has, no exaggeration, been pimping out his cheerleaders to the season ticket holders in foreign countries. They will leave, go to a foreign country, and the season ticket holders will get to spend, quote, private time, end quote, with the cheerleaders and dancers of the team. This has been a story that has been happening since 2012. It came up again, I think, in 2019, and that's when Dan Snyder did the whole, hey, look, we're dropping the racial slur name. Everything's good. That was to distract from the fact that, yo, you've had a, you have had a possible prostitution sexual assault case pending for the last five years. I that mean- frat boy, that frat boy culture existed. There are no, there are two industries that you could, that, that are, they're, they're opposites of each other, but the same problem exists. It's almost like, it's a culture problem, not an industry problem. And you have to address what the root problem of the culture is. And until we actually solve that problem, there's going to be another Activision Blizzard happening down the street. Activision Blizzard is not even the first one. Right. We, we legit have like Randy Pitchford and his crew. Mm-hmm. Like Ubisoft is in some deep shit right now. Yeah. Uh, Riot, Jesus Christ, Riot Games. Riot Games is literally known for this. They're also owned by a giant Chinese corporation. Yeah. But like, like Riot is literally known for this. The the unique part about this is that they got they got caught because they were doing this shit in California and California has very strict labor law. Like California has some has some pretty intense labor laws that yes people do find ways to get around. It's not hard, but like they were fucking up so bad that the state of California had to do a two year investigation. Hmm. Do you understand how badly you have to be fucking up for the state to intervene and say, "Yo, y'all niggas wildin." And again, they were so full of hubris that they actually decided to do it in the one state that's going to do something, the one state, and that's California. Like Google and Facebook, also right there, also terrible. We're not wiling to the degree that Activision Blizzard was. That's not to say that they aren't wiling, but to the degree. Stone. And, you know, folks at Google legit co-signing that shit. The dude put out a Nazi manifesto! And, yeah, and, like, Google employees were, like, totally behind it. And it it took the other half of the company to be like, hey, leadership, you need to say something about this. And, you know maybe do something about all that stuff that you said you can't do. Like, I don't know, remove the Nazis off of YouTube. 
funny how much went dark after that. Like, and I guess that that that's where I am with all of this. I'm glad the light is being shined on the cockroaches. Now we have to stop on the cockroaches. You can't just let them scatter. You have to solve the real problem. Or else this just becomes a, an exercise in New Jersey apartment hunting. There's a cockroach. There's a cockroach. There's a cockroach. There's a cockroach. But no one's calling the exterminator to fix the problem. Nope. I mean... Because... Newsflash, they don't think it's a problem. They like it. They think this is the correct thing to do. So, you know, what is the desired outcome? Like, what what should happen to Blizzard Activision? Blizzard needs to go. Oh, you gotta break that shit up. And it's not like there isn't precedent for breaking this shit up. You gotta break that shit up. Like, gotta- when bad actors are present and they have proven that they lack the responsibility to behave or that they lack the the imperative to behave responsibly you take away their toys break that shit up point blank break that shit up take the toys away cool uh figure it out amongst yourselves board the shareholders board install new leadership that's your problem now if you didn't want to deal with this you shouldn't have tolerated it in the first place yep and 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 that prop like that solution doesn't just work in this situation. You can apply that solution to any problem in America. Like any systemic problem in America, a federal body has to come in and say, you no longer have the right to your toys. Take that shit away, tear it down, start from scratch. Now do it right. And if you fuck it up again, guess what? We'll be right back. That's why the Voting Rights Act was so successful because they camped out in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, and said, until y'all get right, we aren't leaving. That same model can be used for policing in America. When these individual police departments start acting up, you send in a federal body to tear that shit down and take away their funding and say, you don't get this anymore until you prove that you can act right. That is exactly what you have to do. Like that. That's why I like defund the police. I'm like, yeah, we've done it before. There's precedent for it. The voting rights act. Like that's literally what the voting rights act is. They come in, they take away the funding. They say, cool. Until you get right, we're good. You don't get your toys until you prove you can behave responsibly with your toys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I asked that because um, a lot of people, a lot of folks are blindsided by this. And um, usually what happens, I, I, what I find is because there are people who are just like, you have to break up the company. Sounds too harsh for people who are unfamiliar with this problem. And I just, it, it just, this needs to be the precedent. And that's why I'm just, I just want you guys to say it out loud so that people understand the, the enormity of this. This is what is required to begin to kind of shove, to just push back against what is an, an, a shockingly toxic culture in America. It's corporate culture in America. I mean, so there is that. Um, who did they fire today? They fired. They fired two people. Someone else got fired. Oh wow! Two people got fired. Woo! Listen, 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 listen. Bobby right, like, got Bobby noted noted Batman noted Batman villain Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard, said, uh, "He uh, he swore swift action and long lasting change." 
So as of, as of right now, two people have been fired. So it's it's coming, guys. It, it's and I understand that um Activision Blizzard is a load bearing pillar, but it has to go. Let's make that clear. That's the that's the official position is that it has to go. Um, is there anything else? Oh, they hired a firm to help sort them out, and that firm is like known for being a union busting firm because the employees at Activision Blizzard have gotten together to form that. Like they basically have been striking against the company, and they're working to form a a legit union. Um, and of course, Blizzard then hires a union busting firm, as it is eloquently known as. Um, it's supposed to, you know, help them with like the investigate internal investigations and diversity and etc. And I'm like, yeah, that ship—they're <laughs> literally known for breaking up unions. Um, so yeah, don't cross the picket line. Don't fucking cross the picket line. Don't give them money. I think like exact wrong time to give them money. And I think that's like that's the point that needs to be hammered home because you know I, you know it's difficult to be a, gaming is not an ethical it's not it's hard to um, consume video games ethically. You've mentioned that it's impossible to do so. It's impossible. You literally can't. Right. So, but this is the line. This is this is if you want to know who not to give to not to give your money to. Um, we have. We have J.K. Rowling and we have Activision. J.K. Rowling. That these are the lines. So, like, if you are again, if you are unclear, J.K. Rowling, Activision Blizzard, they get not a cent of your money. That's the line. Um. Uh. Yes. Like I said, they're a load bearing pillar, so they're they're holding my precious Crash Bandicoot hostage, but never so again. What do you think? What'd you say? I said I'm so sorry. Yep. Um. I mean, like I said, there's no more. There's no more giving them money. But like I said, that's what I mean by load bearing pillar. Like everybody plays fucking Call of Duty. Um. Lots of people play WoW. Um. Overwatch. We are waiting for. There are two Diablos coming out. There's the remake of the second one, and then the new one coming out next year. There has been a steady influx of WoW. We've been calling them WoW refugees in the Final Fantasy fourteen. Yes. Like steady since before this started. Um, and then a big WoW streamer, Asmogol, whatever, you know, came over. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. But because of the lawsuit now, like, first off, their stocks have been dropping because people have just been canceled. Like, not just quitting WoW, have been just straight up canceling their subscriptions and then signing up for Final Fantasy XIV. Right. Like, the server load is massive. Like, and it's so bad because, like, the devs, like, want to, like, they want to, like, um, adjust the, the servers, but they actually can't. Like, they're having a lot of issues doing so because of the supply, like, the, the parts and supply issues. So like every it doesn't matter what time of day I log in. It's like the beginning of the pandemic all over again where it's there's a queue of like 80 something players at any time of day. 
I was reading an article about how Final Fantasy fourteen was just rising in popularity anyway, because WoW had fallen by the wayside, and a lot of those players were like, fuck it, and then started playing Final Fantasy before this happened. Right, that's what was happening. There was already a steady influx of WoW players before this was happening, because what... So what happened was, is like, WoW's expansion usually drops about, expansions usually drop during Final Fantasy XIV's low time. Right. Which is fine, because we have an expansion coming up, right? Right. So we weren't ready at all. Like, this is like completely unprecedented, like unprecedented, like amount of players. So, but the thing is, is that the WoW expansion was just really not good. It was just not good. And there were other issues and, you know, folks just said, fuck it, I'm tired of Blizzard. And then, you know, they hired, uh, they fucking hired. Uh, Not one war criminal. Or, Not what? two war criminals. Three <laughs> of them things. Three of them things. Three of them things. I thought it was just two. It was one from the Bush administration, one from the Trump administration. Who else did they hire? I thought they got two from the Trump administration. You know what? They did get two from the Trump administration. That's my bad for not remembering because they're garbage. Uh, <laughs> fuck. So yeah, and so people were like, oh, well, I that doesn't work. I can't do that. And so they were already coming over. And then the loss and then like FanFest happened. And, you know, of course, like FanFest is like new expansions coming out, which makes people excited. So when that happens, that always brings new players. And those players happen to come from WoW because WoW's expansion was just trash. Um, so they're like, yay, Final Fantasy, let's check this out. We have plenty of time for, to get, you know, everything leveled up before the expansion hits. And then, then the lawsuit happened and it's just like, got my arms full of WoW players. <laughs> like, I literally changed our recruitment thing to say we we welcome wow refugees the fcs are literally saying that they're wow player friendly in their advertisements i just want to bring up that our fc was wow friendly before it was the cool thing to do our fc has always been wow friendly just saying we we, we started this trend of wow refugees on cactar that was us we built this shit Brick by brick. Um, yeah, it was, oh God, like there's been so many. And of course, like some of them have brought over their really terrible habits. And I've had to explain like, this is how WoW is different. This is how Final Fantasy is different. This is what you don't do. This is why you don't do this. And then, and like, it's not bad in my, in our, in our FC. Our FC is great. Everybody's just like, and the cute, there's a cute part where wow refugees are just like, some of them, some of them are garbage, but others are like, some of them are garbage and they're finding out that Final Fantasy 14 has like really aggressive moderation. Really? Yeah, no. Final Fantasy 14 has like active GMs that are aggressive. You cannot, like, you can't say faggot in Final Fantasy 14 and not get banned. Good stuff. I know this because I know somebody who got banned for saying that in Shout. Good. And they put you in a literal jail. You mean your, cat, your character is in jail? You yeah, like it's a literal jail. Like you will log in and your character is in jail and you can't do anything. Like it, they, they're, it's actually pretty clever. Yeah, and then 
GM will come and explain to them what they did wrong. You can also get out early on good behavior. But they're like the GMs are aggressive. So I I tell people I I've like I've re- I've got like a little tutorial like this is how you report using the report system because there's a separate report system for RMT that just like so if you like the um the money traders. So um there's a whole like super like fast expedited version, but you don't use that to report harassment or griefing and griefing is against the terms of service. There's a lot of things that are against the terms of service. So the toxicity in Final Fantasy 14 has turned to passive aggressiveness, which by the way is much easier to deal with. <laughs> that is the method of toxicity. One of my wow friends literally messaged me last night and he's like, you weren't kidding about passive aggressiveness being the choice of toxicity here. <laughs> He he happened to get a healer that pulled the room. And he doesn't have Shirk yet. I mean, he reported him, they vote kicked the healer, etc. And everything turned out fine. But like, the healer pulled everything. He was tanking. Pulled everything. Told him that he that they could, you know, keep him alive. They couldn't keep him alive. And then went off on him. And I'm just like, yep. That's good old Fire 14 toxicity. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you can't curse at people, et cetera. You can't use slurs. You can't. There's a lot of you can'ts and you can get in a lot of trouble for that. And they they will do it. They they absolutely will. Huh. Um that's been something to like, I've been trying to like get through people's heads. Cause I'm like, no, 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 the GMs are aggressive. <laughs> Cause you know, they're used to the Baron chat, which is like, anything goes, you have full white supremacists, like everything that shit doesn't fly. I believe the kids have rediscovered the phrase. You can fuck around and find out. You literally, you can fuck around and find out. I was wondering why, cause Having, I mean, I I cut my teeth playing, you know, shooting games, and, and you know that's the bottom in terms of player behavior. That's the bottom tier, and for some reason, Final Fantasy fourteen has just been so friendly. Like I said, I only hear people being passive aggressive, and it's I did not know that it was because you guys have a very aggressive, thorough police force that goes through the community and likes to be a part of the community and um improve the quality of life of the citizens on its on the beat huh i did not know that it makes sense though because jesus christ right like once you realize like and it's it's been of course like people are like oh no yeah report to a mod etc i'm like no really please report like something will happen in this game it's like it's it's very I've been really trying to get that through to new people. And like, I know they like, I know they don't believe me the first 17 times I say it. Like, I know they don't believe me the first 17 times I say it, but I'm still like, come on, please (laughs) report liberally. And so now, now, now they're getting it. Now they get it. Like some players who've been like griefing Asmogold by like having, like getting a giant mount and like covering like a, a, a quest tracker like like a quest npc severe ban gone oh, gone wow, that's so cool gone that's, and they're like oh shit and i'm like yeah i've always wanted i just 
I've always wanted to. Exp- I'm gonna look that up. Like I just want to see instances of people getting banned, because that's the type of thing that's always driven me wild, and I've always wanted to see someone get the. Head. I, just, I just would like to just see someone, just get someone get their get what they deserve for that utter nonsense. So thank you. Okay, cool. That is okay. Thank you, Final Fantasy fourteen, for being the best and housing all the <laughs> WoW players. <laughs> I don't know. God, our servers can't take it. There's too many of them. So that's why I was saying, like, um, like, like Blizzard's losing people a lot. Like their stocks drop, like, just like what I think. Wow, dropped like seven percent in one day. Yes. Oh shit. Right. On more, on positive nonsense news, I'm gonna pass the floor to Justin and Aaron. I mean, I'm super excited to hear about Samurai Warriors. <laughs> look, you bring me on this show, I'm going to talk about one of three things. Talk about Stellaris or Paradox Games. Talk about Final Fantasy XIV. Or I'm going to talk about Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors. Actually, there's four things because the other one's One Piece, but... Oh, well, yes. Look, <laughs> I, I, can, I can turn anything into a One Piece discussion. <laughs> um, I'm actually So, serious One Piece news. <laughs> the, we're doing the One Piece Book Club, and I'm actually excited because I get to talk about in public one of the biggest issues I've had with One Piece that people tried to pretend wasn't an issue when it was happening, but Oda himself has said, "Yo, I fucked up when I did this. That's why I'm not doing it anymore." Uh, this will come up at the end of the show, intent versus execution. But there, there are a group of characters in One Piece called the Crossdresser Kingdom, and the intent behind. The intent behind Crossdresser Kingdom on paper is amazing. They reject, they reject society's laws, they reject the oppressiveness of the government, and they reject gender roles entirely. They reject all of it. They, their freedom is being gender fluid. On paper, that shit is brilliant. In execution, played into a bunch of early 2000s transphobic tropes. It was not good in execution. Um... Uh, but Oda has realized this, and in the current arc, it is centered around three trans characters, and they're not cringy tropes. They're human beings with motivations, and it's nice to see him admitting, yeah, I fucked up when I did that. And I can talk about that in public, finally, and not be looked at like I'm, I've grown three heads. So. But... Yeah, no, like, it, it, like as it was happening, Critic Brain was like, I get what he's trying to do, but this is bad, right? And, like, next to the bad, there's an example of good. The leader of the Crossdresser Kingdom is Ivankov. Ivankov, their devil fruit is hormones. And One Piece is weird. Science doesn't make sense. They could alter, the, they alter their gender constantly. Sometimes they're a man. Sometimes they're a woman. Sometimes they're neither. It's whatever. That's how they, that's what freedom means to them. I'm not bound by your rules. And they're a fully fleshed out character and they are one of my favorite characters. They're a human being. The rest of the kingdom, not human beings. Collection of tropes that are very cringy. So I'm, it was very frustrating to read. Um, but anyways, Samurai Warriors. I'm a huge fan of the, of the Dynasty Warriors Samurai Warriors series. 
I was a huge fan of the movie that came out on Netflix. I understand folks were like, what is this garbage? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no My no, uninitiated no, no, friends, no. this is the greatest video game movie ever made. I swear to God, they captured the gameplay loop of fucking like that's what like like I understand that we're in a spot like it's cool like the we're, we're, it's cool that the Lo, Loki and the, and the broken timelines and the multiverse and all this other stuff and you know, all this wild stuff happening. Nothing says the golden age of media than a perfectly done Dynasty Warriors movie in 2021 that nails the gameplay loop of Dynasty Warriors perfectly for an entire movie. That's good. Movie was good. By the way, the movie as itself was a good movie, but it's perfectly Dynasty Warriors, and that's where we are. Then it's in the flex that is a movie capturing the Dynasty Warriors gameplay loop. Nailing it. Come on now. They capture the spirit of the game. They capture the gameplay of the game. I, I will entertain a discussion that it is not a faithful retelling of the romance of the Three Kingdoms, but Dynasty Warriors, the game was never meant to be that. It was meant to be a power fantasy. Yes. And it's one of the rare power fantasies that gets it right. They do everything they can to make you, the player, feel powerful. Whatever you want your character to be, you will feel powerful, right? And yeah, that move was just that move was just fun. It was just fun. Um, I, I, it's one of those things where I feel like people who have an issue with it are the folks who are like, what? Well, it's a bigger issue is that we have so many things that are so good that people are trying to find something bad. When we're at the point now, for the first time in all the media that we take in, that on the average, most things aren't bad. Most movies aren't bad. Most games aren't bad. Most TV shows aren't bad. We're in a rhythm to that degree. And as a result, people don't know what to do if there's nothing to call bad. So then people are just hypercritical in places where they shouldn't be like to read some of the reviews of Dynasty Warriors. You would have thought it was a Spielberg Spielberg film, and to completely miss the point of Dynasty Warriors, almost to manufacture a thing to not like, a thing to critique in a time where there's very little to critique. Like there's social things to critique. Um, there are like you're talking about One Piece, proper uh, transgender representation. That's a thing to critique. Too few people are equipped to critique that, so they just make stuff up. And Dynasty War is one of those things where I was looking, I was like, I, I feel like you guys are just trying, you guys are actively trying to find something to not like because you can't, because things for the most part, we have a standard practice now. Things are okay. It might not be for you. And that's where we're at now. The things you don't watch are probably not for you. But very few things are bad. Dynasty Warriors was good, but it was Dynasty Wars. The, the yes. thing. You know me. I have this. I have this issue when people are talking about like Godzilla movies. Nigga, it's a fucking Godzilla. Movie. It's a Godzilla movie, and the thing about it is, and the thing about it, I don't mean to you. People break out critiques of things they don't break out for things that require their critique. So there are like films that are trying to actively win awards, right? They're trying to win an Oscar, and when you ask the person what they think, no, it's cool. But when they watch Godzilla. They have 500 prepared words about the script 
and the dialogue. And I'm like, is Listen, if your critique does not reference any of the original, like, black and white movies, I don't give a fuck. Like, you're missing the point. You are missing the entire point of the movie. All of it. Like, it's like, it's like looking for potholes in a mech movie. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. There's gonna be potholes. There's potholes in action films. Like these aren't like these aren't like high art film noir shit. We we and it's gonna start here, as we have been telling people to have fun playing games for two and a half years, and people are now coming around and playing all the games, and myself included, and complaining to Bacon about it, which is your fault. I didn't uh, do anything. You did it. Your directly is from you. Yes, there was actually like audio evidence that it started. From you talking to me and a few thousand people using podcast, using the internet, this medium, it is actually your fault. It came from you, disseminated to everyone else. All I said is play a game that's fun for you. Yes, I'm saying it doesn't matter. Yes, it's fine. All I'm saying is you said it. That makes it your fault. It's no, like I said before, it's fine. But what we're also going to do is we have to. A lot, we have to like get people in the habit of saying that something is just not for them because what happens is someone will like something and, oh that's cool that's cool but when they don't like it there's this incredible need to intellectually defend the thing you don't like by making it bad it's not bad it's not for you it right. is not it yeah. is not it is not for you and you have to yes. say that this is not for me if you're listening Stop what you're doing and just think it the sentence. This thing is not for me. That's all. And then it begins. And that can be the thing. And then you you listening, you hear other people, you have a friend that must make sure they have lengthy reviews of the things they don't like. And take their hand. Well, actually, we're in a pandemic. Knock on the window, knock on the plexiglass, <laughs> call them, and then be like, I think you mean to say that this thing is just not for you and that's okay. And then and that's where we'll go from there. That's it. Yeah. Not hard. That's it. It's not hard. And then in being able to say that some things are not for you, you'll be able to know what's for you and then you'll find yourself enjoying more things as opposed to having to defend Something that isn't for you artificially when it's just not for you. Not your thing. And no. you know what? Sometimes. And and don't be like, I understand we're all broke and like the idea of I spent money on this game, so I need to play it. You don't. Sometimes we make purchasing decisions that are a mistake. It's like that outfit that we spent $50 on that looks absolutely terrible. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it, but we thought we'd like it. You don't, you don't have to play the game. You don't have to wear the outfit. You don't have to play the game. It just, sometimes it just be like that. And while it doesn't feel great, moving on to something else will make you feel better. Then it'll make you feel a lot more, a lot better than playing a game that you just don't want to play and are not, and are just not enjoying. So just, just. Have fun. Just have fun. We're supposed to have fun. Everything sucks. We're still in a panini. 
have fun. Yeah. To that point, we will um, hand the microphone to um, noted Dynasty Warriors historian, theologian, writer, and content creator, Justin. <laughs> To um like legit that the the very first podcast I ever did was just a collection of of uh folks I met and our love of Dynasty Warriors like that's what brought us all together. So, but I like that. What's to say it's Dynasty Warriors? You you mow down thousands of soldiers and you feel good doing it. The combo system feels good. It's fluid. Yasuke's in the game and he's not treated as a side character in the game where he's kind of a side character because this one's all about Nobunaga. But they actually give. Yasuke, his own character arc at the end. I, it, we've already talked about Yasuke. I'm letting that go. Wait, so you mean uh, he isn't saved by a little white girl? He saves Nobunaga. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. But the the one thing I was skeptical about was the Samurai Warriors as a as a game. It's about a decade old, I think. So instead of doing what Dynasty Warriors did, where they just said, yo, why reinvent what we're already good at? We're just going to keep refining every other, like every other year, we're just going to refine what we're good at. We're not going to reinvent ourselves. We are what we are. Samurai Warriors said, let's slap a new coat of paint on it. We're not going to change our core engine, but we are going to change how things look. And it's way more anime-esque than it's ever looked. And I was skeptical about that, but it fits. I'm cool with it. It's just fun. It, it, is, it is my turn my brain off game. It is so fun. It is a joy. It is a treat. And Yasuke. Like, they had me at Yasuke. So, I I, I understand. Because hmm? I was actually really excited about the fists. I know some people wanted him with the sword. But, nigga, I, those fists are dope. Well, the you can equip any weapon to Yasuke. It's just his standard weapon is the fists. And those fists actually cut. They don't have range, but you can fix that with elements. But if he gets up close, it's over. Like it, I'm happy with it. I'm cool with it. Wait, he out it's, here. He out here it's punching. Just fun. He out here punching niggas and stuff. Yes. Yes. So Dog, it, he's out here giving niggas but, the he, like the but, Axel, the OG Streets of Rage Axel. Right, but in Dynasty Warriors, you mean like knocking forty niggers over at a time, like air juggling forty yes. niggers in a line yes. with, yes. with, with the hands, that. with the hands. Yes, yes, that's giving- exactly what he does. I know. I'm a little excited. Some folks have gone. I'm not gonna lie. Some folks have gone about how problematic, et cetera, whatever it is, and I'm like, listen. First off, it's Dynasty War. It's it's specifically Samurai Warriors. If it were any other game. If it were any other like samurai based game that wasn't samurai warriors or dynasty warriors which is literally peak nonsense hold on i don't understand what's the problem somebody has with yasuke throwing hands at an elite level um fists black people tr- common trope in a game where everybody's got swords well not everybody not everybody has but swords. that that was That's the, the thing with Samurai Warriors. Not everybody has swords. Like, there's a dude with a giant hammer. There's a dude with a shotgun. There's a dude with, like, three-stick nunchucks. There's the bow and arrows. There's this weird yo-yo on a blade thing. Like, it, listen, it's peak nonsense. 
It's nonsense. I know this because I've played the game. <laughs> I'm just saying that there was there was that. But yes, it's peak nonsense. It's not as problematic as it sounds. Um, but it was absolutely a thousand and fifty percent peak nonsense, which is why it fits. And again, you can still equip anybody with a web. You can still equip them with any weapon. Right. But like, if this was like any other semi-historically accurate, like samurai-esque based game, I might like raise my eyebrows. But specifically, Samurai Warriors and Dynasty Warriors, it 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 fits with those two games. Specifically, right. fits with those two games. Context matters. Again, because it's this company, they they care about historical accuracy when it comes to maintaining the spirit of the narrative, the spirit of the Sengoku era. Beyond that, Ieyasu was a 10-year-old boy for 20 years. Sure, whatever. That's fine. It's peak nonsense, and it is delightful nonsense. All right. So okay. I have a question then, because I uh, found myself realizing that I haven't recommended that people buy a video game in two years since I started using Game Pass. So if we are recommending that people, because that's a whole last $60 game. Um, so are we, what do we do about situations where we are recommending something for something that might actually cost our fans some money. I recommend it anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. I recommend games that cost money all the time. Yeah, you're, you're wild. I don't do that. And I find that less people do that. <laughs> a lot more people kind of, you kind of, um, I find a lot more, a lot of, of folks that are like on Game Pass tend to recommend things that are on Game Pass or things that are just free. So what I usually tell people, I'm like, because I don't like trailers or videos, but I know other people like that. I'm, I'm always like, play the demo, watch gameplay of it. You can watch gameplay of it without spoilers. There's really not much to be spoiled. Again, this is all historical shit. Um, watch the gameplay. See if it's something you might like. Try the demo. Because um, at that point, like read up on it. Because then you're doing your research, and it, once you do your research, you by the time you finish doing your research on the game, you should know whether or not that you're going to like it. Or whether or not you're um, uh, going to give it a chance. So that's the official word. We support Samurai Warriors. Do your due diligence. You'll probably want it. It is 100% an acquired taste. You know off the bat if you're going to like this type of game or not. It does not reinvent the wheel. If you enjoy hack and slash beat em ups where you're just mowing down thousands, literal thousands of bad guys, then this is the game for you. If that does not your cup of tea, then do not buy this game. Um, it is definitely an acquired taste. It's funny because I had uh, played Samurai Warriors after playing The Ascent. Uh, it's like a new indie game. And uh, The Ascent is such a rich game. And it's a richer game than I understood. Like, it's got... It's a whole uh, RPG. Like, it's, it's, it's not just a twin-stick shooter. It's got an RPG element. It's got a whole interconnected city. It's got dozens and dozens of pages of lore, mini-quests, all types of uh, hidden objects and characters and builds and things. 
and I had played that before, and then I had played uh, Samurai Warriors after, and uh, it was it was a breath of fresh air because you don't even realize how many games do present you with RPG systems now. Like you know, remember the remember the argument about I guess I would say about over a decade ago, maybe I, I've lost time, but there was a period of time where we were all arguing about the um, validity of the sixty hour of a sixty dollar twelve hour game. We were yelling about it to each other. Some people thought it was fine. Some people didn't. So now we're at the point where every game is a nuanced RPG. Every other game is nuanced RPG systems. And then you play something like Samurai Warrior where you know it is literally heavy, heavy, heavy. And you've knocked over 50 guys and they're all bouncing off the walls. Good times. And And I'll say this. That has a value. And you don't realize it does until you try it. Because I hadn't played Dynasty Warriors um, in a minute. I think it'd been about 10 or 12 years since I'd bought a War- Dynasty Warriors game, maybe 10. So this is, my last, this is the first one in a long time, and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed that. Even something, even the beat-em-ups that I play, like um, like the uh, last one I played was like Scott Pilgrim, River City Girls, Streets of Rage, they all have incredible nuance to them. And it's fun to just press this smash button and then have the smash button smash to the fullest extent of the word smash into a group of guys who are there to be smashed. That's it. Just, saying, just leaving that out there. Okay, it is the top of the hour. Um, we still have some time left. And um, we were talking about Mass Effect, the um, grand finale of the Revere trilogy. And um, yes, uh, personally... My Mass Effect 3 journey ended at the Citadel DLC, so I have not beaten the game, even though it's been several weeks. I own myself and my limitations as a human, but Justin and Bacon have beaten the game, and they have opinions about One the of Mass those people has. You didn't beat Mass Effect. You didn't finish Mass Effect 3. Not this go around. I mean, I'm oh, no, I've I, 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 I've beaten Mass Effect 3 in life. But I didn't beat Mass yeah. Effect 3 in the Legendary Edition. Yeah, no, same here. Like, I'm with you. I'm at the Citadel DLC. <laughs> I haven't stopped from the party. Because I'd never experienced... I had actually gone through this whole time not knowing what happens in the Citadel DLC. I didn't find out what happened until I saw Bacon go through it. Oh, you know what's funny is... um. I went through it, but I fast-tracked it. Like, for some reason or the other, I didn't give its due diligence. Like, I didn't sit in the city. I didn't meet everybody. I didn't do that. Like, I went to the, I went to the house um, after I sorted out all that business. Um, and then we did the party. And then I left and went about my business. And I didn't realize all the shit that was in the Citadel DLC. Yes. And uh, it's such... It's such a breath of fresh air for what is a bit of a death march. It's an entertaining game, but it is also a death march. And it's such a it's such a breath of fresh air that I don't want to proceed. And I do not know how to bring myself to continue. <laughs> so a so, uh, couple things here. Yes. One, we did stop at the we did only talk about the first half of Mass Effect 2. Because you can't talk about the second half of Mass Effect 2 without talking about Mass Effect 3. Uh, second off, uh-huh. um, I need to shed some light on this bullshit. Um, Aaron and Justin surprised me with the Legendary Edition. Oh. And 
Well, you're a social commentator. We needed your social commentary. This game so you can talk about it, go through it. So I did, streamed the entirety of it. Yes. And the, like, yeah, I'm going to beat the game. I'm going to beat the game. They both watched me beat the game and then were like, nope, I'm noping out of it. I saw bacon and it was enough. Uh, that's not inaccurate. Literally what happened. I remember the thing about Mass Effect 3's ending, as like I said before, we'll get there. But I'm just going to say this. Mass Effect 3's ending is a negative vibe. It feels it felt bad to do in the time. All I remember is that feeling. Watching you do it reminded me of that feeling. And then the Citadel DLC, which is like um, which is like some type of uh, MCU um, break for like a, again a death march, is so refreshing that I can't. I just cannot bring myself. It's like I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. You can't make me go to work. I'm gonna quit. I don't want to go. I'm calling out. I don't want to go. I'm and I don't want to go to work so much that I'm not even calling to tell them. That I'm not making it. I'm no showing. I don't want to do it. You can't make me do it. I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I remember the ending. I do. I watched you do it. I watched some other stuff. I've read about it. I remember myself doing it. But in the Legendary Edition, um, I unlocked every single part of that combat arcade. And um, I've min-maxed my group. <laughs> um, I set up my house. You know? I had a really tender moment with Samara. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, these are all, all the things that were lacking in the end of the the game are in the Citadel DLC. So, you know, we're just going to call it there. We're going to say that Mass Effect got unceremoniously canceled by Netflix before they could go to season four. And um, yeah, See, I the ending, the more I sit and think about it and having seen the ending again, I'm back to my original stance. The ending is fine. It's not great. It's not good. It's fine. Yeah, intent I... versus ex intent versus execution. I get what they were going for. I even understand the creative decisions that led them to get to that point. Eh. All right. I guess. Like that. That. That's where I am with the ending. I guess. Right. Because like the whole time in Mass Effect Three. The central Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, the central theme that the writers are trying to impart upon you, the player, is survival through cooperation. That's the whole theme. That's why synthesis is the air quotes good ending, because it's survival through cooperation. You cooperated, you've resolved all the conflicts, everybody's happy, we're all one in the commune, huzzah. Except being one in the commune kind of robs the death of their individuality that they fought so hard to get. And we never just don't think about it too hard. Don't think about it too hard. We're all happy. Disney ending. Disney ending is literally horrific. Um, we actually didn't talk about the second half of Mass Effect. Right, we have to. We have to walk it back. We have to. Actually, oh, the war criminal. Everybody's a war criminal. So we didn't talk about like we we touched a bit on Cerberus, but we didn't talk about like how deeply like flawed that whole thing is. And then, of course, once you get into the second half of Mass Effect 2, that's where also Leviathan and Overlord DLCs are, which lead to, and Arrival, which all lead directly into Mass Effect 3. I don't even know where to begin. I'm just like... No, we covered Overlord. I know we covered Overlord, because that, that was just... That was horrific. 
I mean, are we are we gonna go into the her, the arrival? Which um... yeah, just start, just yeah. start with the arrival. I mean, arrival I mean, forces you to commit a war crime. It forces you to murder three hundred thousand plus Batarians. Um, I remember realizing that I couldn't avoid this. Like I didn't understand. Well, first of all, I was like, I in in the actual gameplay loop is like the end of the movie Commando for some reason, like. I don't know whether it maybe it's because of me and I was a vanguard, but me just running around the inside of that facility, bouncing off of everyone's chest and shotgunning everyone in the chest while they were all losing their shit. I was like, what is happening? It was definitely not a good feeling. Um, just bouncing off people in that area. It is. Um, it was not like anything we had done in the game. And also it was a weird tone. Like, I understand that I am, in fact, the angel of death that Shepard kills so many people. Um, but something about that DLC, like from the beginning, the tone was weird. You fought it was there was a um, wave based battle that eventually you would just get killed if you survived it because you can survive it. And eventually someone literally just comes up on the back of your head and gives you a fucking James Bond karate chop to subdue you. So you move on it's in the back of the neck. And then you fall over, and that's it. And then apparently that was a stealth section when you come out of the prison. Is that a stealth section? Like someone said that was a stealth section. I did not notice it. Section. It's supposed to be. What? It's supposed to be. Nah. No, uh, it is. I assume control of that robot. Oh, robot opened the door, and then commando commenced. Everyone got shotgunned in the chest. Everybody. I didn't know I that was. I don't remember, but I do know I snuck past a lot of people. Oh, I didn't know you could sneak past people at all. That would explain why I was killing everyone. Apparently, you're supposed to be sneaking past those people. Because it it is far more efficient to just shoot them in the face, especially if you're a vanguard. Why waste time when I could just charge shotgun, charge shotgun, charge shotgun, charge shotgun? Very strange DLC. And then um, narratively, apparently, there's a group of people that have, um, that have decided they were going to destroy the uh, mass relay that Reapers were going to use to fast track it to your solar system and uh take over and begin the uh, war and all that so they were going to send a meteor put a strat rockets to this meteor and f destroy the mass relay destroy a mass relay and um uh, jam up the reapers for a few years at least and give you some time um turns out the director of that was indoctrinated my favorite part is um, when you like the lady's like talking to you and she takes you in a room with like a straight up Reaper artifact just uncovered, just Reapering in the middle, just, just fucking indoctrination waves everywhere. And you're like, bro. And she's like, what? It's cool, man. We got it under control. And I'm like, you clearly don't. <laughs> like, I, I took one look at that and I went, bitches indoctrinated. I was like, nigga, you ain't even got gloves on. <laughs> right. Like, you, like, you're literally. You are you are indoctrinated. You yeah. are indoctrinated, like yeah. right now. Right. So yes, you um but towards the end you uh, actually um cannot stop. Oh the worst you can do, I believe, you can you have the choice of warning the Batarians to no avail or not warning them at all. And then you send the meteor into the mass relay and blow everything up. Right. You literally can't like you start to warn the Batarians. But all of a sudden, what happens is, is the, like your your signal gets cut off. They cut off communication with you. They like um, the the bad the baddies stopped you from being able to um, communicate. 
<sighs> so, um, it is a way to um, fast track Mass Effect 3 to the desired location on Earth to trigger the Reaper invasion for maximum cinematic boom booms. They um, have you wipe out 300,000 Batarians. And then they never really paid any proper narrative service because, uh, let's say, if um, Mass Effect 2 is Shepard as Jesus, literally emerging, <laughs> emerging after emerging a resurrection and coming out with his four guns and stuff and leading the people, then I imagine that destroying 300,000 Batarians is supposed to throw that into doubt going into Mass Effect 3 to turn the Shepard myth on its head. Um, and be something that they talk about the entire game as you try to um, piece together some type of resistance to the Reapers, but that's not the case. I believe the Batarians come up about five times, and nothing of substance. Maybe four? How many times do the Batarians come up in Mass Effect 3? I mean, you're a massacre of the Batarians. Actually, actually come up? Like, come up they as... They don't. As like a plot they point. Come up in pass, they come up in passing and side quest points three times. The most the the part that's supposed to be the emotional beat is when the terrorist that you let escape in Mass Effect One comes back and tries to kill you, and you can either kill him or get him to help you fight the Reapers. That's the emotional payoff for murdering all those Batarians. You get to help another war criminal. Right. Yeah. Uh that DLC left a massively bad taste in my mouth. Um I I understand what they were trying to do. I'm I was always very unclear why they were trying to do the, you know, you've been detained thing, but I was like, why wouldn't why am I not just being detained for working with servers? Like why Which didn't Which would have been the easy thing to do. I mean This is why if you're going to mimic an organization in a piece of fiction after literal uh, supremacist and terrorist organizations that you actually write in some real, like truly real, like morality dialogues and you actively condemn them in your game. Um, instead of giving characters the option to like agree with them consistently um, because what it did is it turned server it turned the elusive man into uh from oh you're a monstrous person with monstrous ideas to you betrayed me how could you betray me yeah uh, and so like it was so bad like people genuinely thought that the elusive man and Cerberus were good like that they were it was it was the right thing to do to work with them and then in response to that they just had to make them cartoon evil in Mass Effect 3 they were um they were like the opening to the GI Joe movie where Cobra attacks the Statue of Liberty just because niggas are out celebrating like yes. it's, it's no other reason it just niggas is out having a good time so cobra has to descend on it and shoot at everybody that's it half of the places Cerberus goes don't make any sense it's just there seems to just be some good vibes and scientific progress happening here so Cerberus is fucking slamming dudes into the side of it and taking people and shooting the rest get down wonder attack oh my god that's what they said that's exactly what they sound like and yeah. of course, you know, they experimented on them and made like the own employees be literal monsters. Yes. So that 
it, 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 they like it's like they threw in Call of Duty and Gears of War into Mass Effect Three. It was very strange. Uh, they had to fast track it. Like I realize they had to do it. It totally damn it. it I'm not gonna lie. It broke. It, it didn't do anything for the narrative because Mass Effect Three has no overarching narrative because the person they, the nuanced struggle that they were trying to write it was um poorly done. So now they had to they had to walk it back by turning servers into Cobra, and the whole game is just you running after servers or running from servers or talking to people who are dealing with servers <laughs> and making sure they survive servers, and that's it. That's it. It's a fun action game, though. Um, one of the benefits of the Legendary Edition is having Mass Effect 3 stapled to Mass Effect 2 does keep momentum. I remember waiting for Mass Effect 3 and hating it because there was no narrative. Um, but stapled onto Mass Effect 2, it is compelling at the very least because you're still on that freight train and literally you get to hit, you know, go. And keep the, pressing A and wind up in Vancouver, you know. The uh, there's so many Vancouver jokes. There are so many Canadian jokes. They've made so many jokes against themselves. It was hilarious. Um, Mass Effect Three. The narrative in Mass Effect Three is it's a really good journey. Mass Effect Three is a fantastic journey with the most disappointing ending but if you remove the ending it's not a bad and wild mission glitches and just poor mission poor boss fight layout those boss fights were like egregiously frustrating for no reason sans that stuff it's actually like a really good game and all like it playing it back to back against two like all of the decisions that you make in mass effect 3 makes the makes Mass Effect 2 feel even more meaningful, even though that game is wildly more problematic than I remembered. <laughs> um, and there's there's just some, like, beautiful, like, even just, like, the cinematics are just really gorgeous and very emotive, like, heartfelt. Like, um, when I, I, I got, like, really teary when I cured the genophage like that was just like a really super emotional thing um helping like giving the geth identity yes was fantastic and then finding out later that they're actually helping macquarians like reacclimate by like introducing um parts like they're like basically introducing the planet and like bacterias and stuff through their suits and boosting their immune si to help them boost their immune systems so stuff that so the about acclimating which would have taken them 60 years because it's their home planet reacclimating it's going to take them three to four to reacclimate to their own home planet now like people like the warriors in their lifetime would be able to survive which is why Leviathan DLC and that fucking ending make no goddamn sense. Um, no, just don't think about it. Just do apply zero critical thinking to the synthesis ending and it makes... That's just it. I'm not applying critical thinking. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm literally taking like, this is what the story said. 
I'm not even thinking about the story said this. The story is now giving me extremely wildly contradicting information from the last 120 hours I've put in no 130 hours I've put in this game because I've spent 100 144 hours I'm gonna say that last like arc took me about five five ish hours five yeah because my last stream was about five ish hours so good 140 hours of narrative it's telling me this thing the last five hours literally contradict 140 hours of narrative It just it like not even critical thinking. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, like it, it it makes sense if you don't think about it because the intent was everybody, machine and man, have come together in perfect harmony. We are one. Human beings have synthetic parts. Synthetics have organic parts. We're all one. It's all good. We're all happy. But that means nobody is themselves. Exactly. But that don't worry about that. We're flawed to begin with. We have advanced. We're we're better. We're better. Intent what? versus execution. Starchild literally is telling you you must do synthesis. And I'm like, oh no. Um, but when when you ask Starchild, like, why didn't you do this before? It says like Starchild says, We've tried, but it can't be forced. It never works when it's forced. And I'm like, but we're literally forcing it. We're not getting permission. There's no consent discussion with like everybody else being like, hey, do you want to be a cyborg? One of the big problems. In cooperation through sur survival through cooperation. It, it, there's no cooperation. The cooperation is missing. Cooperation. <laughs> My, and uh, so that see, means the destroy ending, which kills all or which kills all synthetics, which means everything you did to help the geth means nothing. Cause they're gone now. I'm not gonna lie, even though it says destroy synthetics, it really doesn't sound permanent. I'm not gonna lie. I mean you can always rebuild them, but you gotta you have to recreate artificial intelligence. Listen, nothing that this game has told me has said that VI won't survive. Even when they say VI, sorry, AI and VI won't survive, they still always find manage to find a way to survive. I mean, for the love of God, isn't like isn't that isn't that literally Edie's character arc? Literally Edie, Edie character was a arc. Edie was a VI on an individual network who came gained sentience and I thought I literally shot her in the face and then she's alive and then she became Edie and then she became thick ass Edie. And then she's my teammate for a whole ass game. Yeah. The entire storyline, all 140 hours, continues to say AI dies and then comes back again. <laughs> right. You can't help it. Um. So there's nothing. There's like, there's even they're like, destroy is permanent. There's nothing in the destroy that makes me think it's permanent. <laughs> There you go. I mean, I I realized um, when I had done the ending in real time before, I I was just trying to get the game over with because I didn't understand what was be I didn't like what was being asked of me. 
And I also didn't like how it didn't involve the universe. Like, the end of the game does not involve... Like, I can understand if it comes down to me, but it doesn't involve the universe like that. Like, one, like of, the, one of the worst things about the end of Mass Effect is that the last mission is actually really bad. It's a bad mission, considering all you've done. It's bad. And the worst thing is the Citadel DLC proves the point because at the end the blow off has literally everyone you everyone on your ship um go shoot it out with people and very it's very it's very camp and it's very heartwarming and it's very dramatic but the end of mass effect is just kind of like this like regular mission to a certain degree and it it's it that actually bothers me more than the ending is that the end of the game doesn't involve what is, in fact, the greatest fighting force in the history of the galaxy ever, I've assembled. And they don't do anything. I spent my whole, I spent a decade worth of gameplay making the impossible possible through the spirit of cooperation, smashing racism, being the best Commander Shepard I can be, and then the game just kind of ends on a regular mission. But remember, Star Child, this weird AI that's giving you these horrific options was created by a race of extremely large sentient crabs. Dust mites, but go on. They look like sea... They look like crabs! Dust mites. Are they dust mites? They look like dust mites to me. They look like crabs. I don't know, like, like either they, way, either way, this is a terrible, this is a terrible sidetrack for what we're, what you're saying. This like proves your point, but go on, please continue. Um, but the giant sentient, like slave owning race, because apparently slavery is the, is the repetitive cycle as well, because everything repeats in a cycle. So that's why there's slavery. <laughs> I don't know if any of you, either of you caught that. No, I did not. Uh, so Leviathan, the giant crab race, enslaved all other races underneath them. Just like the Protheans enslaved. Just like the Protheans enslaved all the races underneath them. Just like the Batarians enslaved everybody. Just like any community that has slaves, the Asari have their indentured servitude slavery. I mean, we all know humans had slavery, but we free now. <laughs> um, because space. <laughs> it, wait, no, because there's also mercenary slave owners. So, like, the cycle continues on and on. Slavery is a massive focus of that cycle, just as daddy issues are. Sorry, I kept counting all the father issues in the game, and there are a lot. <laughs> oh. Something else that didn't make sense. Okay. Was um, Home Dude's betrayal of um, the council. Udina? Yes, Udina. As a professional wrestling fan, they needed to get a match for SummerSlam. So sometimes you just have the person in the ring hit the person in the other side of the ring with a chair, and then they have a match. That's what happened. Like the 
they wanted the players to connect the dots and make that leap in logic for them so that they wouldn't have to waste narrative time on it. Right. But, but nothing in Udina's character says that he would ally himself with Cerberus. Absolutely not, no. Udina would never ally him, align himself with Cerberus. Literally ever. Like, like even if they had put like an indoctrination plot point in there, that would have been fine. That makes sense. You know, like Udina is indoctrinated working with Cerberus. Totally would make sense, right? Because that exchange that that explains wild character behavior, right? This doesn't make sense. Like at all. None. None. I'm working, I've been working with Cerberus the entire time. Nothing in his character would absolutely ever allow him to work with Cerberus. It seemed like that was his um that was kind of his um struggle was he was um he was growing in power and trying to figure out ways. I mean, like I said, as a wrestling fan. I'm used to shitty heel turns and shitty heel turns are usually marked by a massive heel turn with the slightest, tiniest bit of interruption of service. So when he says, I'm the most powerful person in human history, but you see how much power I have. That was his heel turn. I'm telling you this as a professional wrestling fan where a wrestler will go, you did, you did not put ice in my fruit punch, you son of a bitch, and now I will attempt to shatter your leg. I'm telling you guys, that was what happened. That sentence that he says was his heel turn right there. That one singular sentence. No, I understand. Listen. That's it. I understand LARPing enough to understand how that works. Yes. I'm saying... It's still in the narrative does not make sense, even though, yes, this is a wrestling heel term. I totally, totally, a hundred and thousand percent get that part of it. I just needed, I just needed two more dots, you know, just two more dots. That's the SummerSlam. Yeah, I know. There's, there's nothing. There's a nothing. cage match. There was nothing. It was. Uh, it was. It was fun to pointlessly shoot. It was fun to pointlessly have a shootout all over the citadel, though. Oh wait, sorry. Now I remember what I was like. I totally got distracted by my own thoughts with Leviathan, but the 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 crust the crustacean dust mites creating a v an AI to solve their problems for them, and then that AI's solution is to basically. Create civilization, destroy it, trying to find a solution to the problem, massacre, like, genocide, like, com make complete genocide and start all over, trying to continuously find a solution. However, it's an AI and it can't go outside of its experiences and what it knows. So it keeps making the same problem all over again. And that's the bad guy. My favorite. Like, my favorite what? thing was when you the Leviathan explains that machines will always attack sentient machine life will always um attack organic life. And so our response was to make a machine to sort this out. <laughs> and you ask them you ask Leviathan that. And he's like, Listen, man, listen, listen, man, L listen, man, 
we we was it, we, we was it was a lot of money, a lot of drugs. <laughs> I'm not saying that we were all in our right mind. I'm saying it was a good time. We were all having a good time, Shepard. That's all we're gonna say. We're having a good time. Don't judge me. I will enslave your race. Right. When we destroy the Reapers, I'll enslave all of you. What? Uh, Mass Effect 3 is a um, very good action game as a campaign. Good action game. Um, by itself, I deeply resent it. But it's no longer it no longer exists by itself. So I have to change my approach and my feelings about it. The ending might take a while just because I really hate that last mission. The worst thing, the worst thing, is going through your war assets and looking at every single thing you've acquired and having it have nothing to do with the end of the game, like even the last mission. Apparently, someone made a mod for um the PC Legendary Edition that actually the P no the PC version of Mass Effect Three that has a longer mission that has drop-ins from everyone, kind of like that Citadel mission where all eight of you are running around. Um, yeah, it's like that, that except. You know, like that's what's happening. So everyone you help is in the mission doing something, even to the point where you actually fight a reaper and you do the thing you did in um um I forgot where you where where Rannoch. Rannoch, yes, the thing you do there where you literally have to you literally time it so that you have all the ships blow it up when it's about to fire at you because you know how to kill reapers in so many different ways that everyone's helping you and you actively push the reapers back, which then makes Starchild go ho ho whoa whoa whoa. Whoa, 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 the fuck? And then you have that terrible conversation with the terrible ending. But at least I kicked him in his balls as hard as I could to then then force the interaction where he gave me some options and some answers. Because we were actually, from the look of that mission, gave you the appearance that you were actually going to destroy the Reapers, and they tapped and wanted to talk about it. Which is more compelling, even if the ending is bad. I used the things that I had spent a decade of gameplay building to win the war I had been trying to fight. Right. Like that, that specific problem in the ending is fixed if they don't try to make every single Reaper a sovereign level threat. Yes. Right? Like if, if all of the Reapers, if they're going for this Cthulhu, Cyber Cthulhu, right cool they're not all individuals it is one hive mind cool that makes the catalyst we can either assume control of hive mind or kill hive mind right it is a more believable thing now because we know that these are just the fingers of god we're not actually killing god these are just god's fingers and we can cut god's fingers off and deal with that problem, deal with God showing up later. But. You know what game actually does a really good job at including all of the friends you made along the way in the final climactic battle? What game? It might be the game I'm playing right now. Oh, I was going to say Final Fantasy 14, because that does a great job at Heroes Gauntlet of yeah. everyone you've ever helped in Shadowbringers showing up. Listen, listen, Mass Effect Andromeda has the best end, one of like the best endings and literally the best boss fight I have ever experienced. It's what they wanted to do with the Saren fight, like the fight against that 
generic bad guy. Mechanically, that's what they wanted the Saren fight to be. But technology at the time, let's just have a jumping around boss rush. Okay, cool, I guess. Nah, that shit was fun. The fight, the fight was fun. It was challenging. It was extremely engaging. Uh, there is dialogue that was meaningful. The uh, every choice that you've made, you make in the game, every major choice in the game, like actually matters because like it has an effect on that boss fight. Um, they pull at all of your emotions and your heart, like all of your emotions. They pull at your heartstrings. Like it's an extremely meaningful, but it's also not like over the top difficult. Um, it's just the right amount of a game. It's like a just a perfectly scripted fight. And it adds so much depth and meaning to the story. Literally, Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm I'm I should be hitting that boss fight on Friday. Um I'm gonna be streaming today is Wednesday. I'm gonna be streaming uh all of my like side quests and missions and stuff tomorrow. And then, uh, because the my next story story mission I have is going to lead me to the final mission, so um, it's going to lead me down that rabbit hole. So I'm going to get everything done tomorrow, and I'm going to finish it, and that way Monday I can start with the world ends with you, Neo. <laughs> my schedule's a week behind. Um, I'm sorry. Fine. All right. By the way, I have to say, and I know I said this before, but starting Mass Effect Andromeda immediately after Mass Effect 3 was extremely delightful because the ending of Mass Effect 3 really felt like a long, in-depth conversation with a um, conspiracy theorist. And so having that like really slow extremely boring opening to andromeda like felt like turning on like democracy now or or like um one of just the npr just recounting the news sessions where it's just monotone there's like no anything there but it's sane <laughs> i was like i was like oh god this is delightful the run is delightful. The conversation's delightful. You're making sense. This is great. Because I picked up Andromeda, like, literally. In, like, I started the actual gameplay, like, two hours after I finished Mass Effect 3. It was glorious. It was great. After that bullshit conversation with Starchild and that BS ending, just, like, hearing things that make sense was <sighs> amazing. So good. It was delightful. Ice cream. <laughs> All right. Um, I know we are um, approaching Justin's time limit. Might be over time. So, in the interest of um, making sure um, parents get to bed with enough time to continue to parent, be an adult, is there anything else we'd like to I add? I can't think of anything. I feel like I was all over the place, but uh, I no. feel like... I mean, yeah. you, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, we, we nailed... That um, was Mass Effect 3. Right. That's the thing. Mass Effect 3, if you just think about what you're doing, is wild. We covered a lot of the um, general oddities of Mass Effect 3. We actually covered the entirety um, of it, actually, in terms of um, narrative oddities. And um, um, 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're not even giving credit where credit's due. It's not a bad game. It's just a very weird, a very strange story. It's just these really amazing pieces of writing held up by Cotton Candy. The momentum, yes. Because, yes. like, yes. The, the little moments, Mass Effect 3 does really well. The sub arcs, Mass Effect 3 does really well. Like the, the conflict between the Krogan, the Turians, and the Salarians, that's actually really well done. The conflict between the Geth and the Quarians is really well done. It's just like you said, all of that is held up by cotton candy. Just a little bit of water, some wind, anything, and it just disintegrates. I imagine, I said this last episode, but I imagine as a writer, it's rather difficult to have large-scale galactic warfare um, happen um, quickly. And um, it's very interesting that that was the choice because Mass Effect's strength of Mass Effect is all the subarcs. The overarching issue with the Reapers was, I would argue, not good really at all. And um, the overarching issue with Cobra, with Cerberus, was almost interesting, and then they became Cobra, and then it also wasn't interesting. Um, but it couldn't be interesting anymore because, again, they didn't actually put. They let you choose what was the right decision right. in in dealing with Cerberus instead of taking a moral, like an actual meaningful moral stance with right. Cerberus in the writing, which I feel like they could have done um, in a way that didn't, in a way that like still didn't like spoil the ending, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I would uh, even go as far as to suggest that if you had aligned yourself with Cerberus, then the entire game would change and it would be a much worse experience in terms of just like what you are doing. Like the actual things you're doing, like you would just be involved with the hideous things that Cerberus would be doing. You would be doing missions to say, create whatever mind of mind, whatever huskification of their soldiers they're doing. You would have a hand in it. Things that would make you feel icky. Real genuine, not, not just like you get to gallivant around with your Cerberus jersey on, and some people sort of kind of have strong feelings about Cerberus. They'd be like, no, you, your hands are in the mud because you chose this. Right, and people would tell you you're wrong. Right, you would, like, like, whole relationships would be severed. Like, you wouldn't be have access to, like, Anderson anymore. You know, because Anderson would be like, nigga, what the fuck? Valid. You know? Things like uh, that. So. But I honestly, I honestly feel like they were tired of their own game. And they just wanted it to end. I mean, that's what happens when you have to write. I mean, just like I said, I was talking to Erica about this and having to write what they were doing with the Reapers is arguably about a decades, maybe 15 years worth of small scale storytelling billing towards a um, large scale event. And they fast track the shit out of it. And when you try to do that, it just creates it creates holes in your own writing and a level of exhaustion that was tangible. By the end of Mass Effect. It's one of the reasons why Andromeda is such a breath of fresh air is because they don't have to end the universe. <laughs> You're out here just trying to get people's water running, really. And as a result, the smaller scale creates kind of a general, better, just better tone of writing, better consistency. Yep, no, I agree. So, that's that. Um, what'd you say nah y'all y'all covered it um, I'm Gucci go watch Dynasty Warriors 
Go watch Stop Fantasy Warriors. Enjoy. No, turn your turn. Leave your brain on, but practice saying that some things aren't for you. And if Dynasty Warriors isn't for you, say it's not for you, and then go get some ice cream and watch something that is for you. So there is that. Um, don't give Blizzard Activision any of your money at all. Um, don't cross that picket line. Don't cross the picket line. They must collapse no matter what entertainment you enjoy is connected to Activision and Blizzard. This needs to happen. I say this as I release my precious Crash Bandicoot into the void forever. Possibly. And um, I know this is the thing that needs to happen. No money for Activision or Blizzard. That's it. We're done here. There's that. Watch Dynasty Warriors or don't. Play Samurai Warriors. Play Samurai Warriors. Give it a look. Have fun. And um, Mass Effect 3 is a very odd game. And if you are writing a story, don't worry about the post-apocalyptic ending to it, please. And you'll wind up with Mass Effect. <clears throat> um, also, don't be afraid to take a moral stand. Don't sit on the fence. Don't just chafe your balls. Okay, guys. That's our program. Excuse me? Listen to Rico Nasty. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you guys for listening. And uh, I'll see you guys uh, next episode.